welcome to the Mixed Blessing Podcast. I'm Chandra Crane, and today we're feasting at the multi-ethnic table with Lo McDermott. Let's break bread together and enjoy sharing our stories. Joining me today is Lo McDermott, a really great friend. We've known each other for quite a while through our ministry with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship and also just finding each other in various spaces at different conferences and realizing how much we have in common. Lo is also featured in the Mixed Blessing book, got to hear some of the story of who Lo is and what that means to the rest of us who are blessed to call Lo friend. And so I'm so excited you're here today. Some of the things that we have bonded over that make you uniquely you are being into nerdy theology, which I love. (laughs) Lo says that there are way too many plants. I don't know about way too many, but (laughs) there is an impressive collection you can follow on Instagram to see the jungles that Lo plants. And I love this description too, stereotypical millennial, which makes me laugh because I'm a Gen Xer. So there's a whole conversation that could be had there, but let's (laughs) talk about multi-ethnicity because of course that is the focus of this podcast being by, for, and about multi-ethnic folks. So welcome. Thanks for being here. Would you tell us more about your multi-ethnic story, about who you are, about what makes low, low? Yeah, thanks for inviting me here. I don't know, to put it simply, I guess, I am Russian and German and Choctaw, Native American. I have an Irish last name, but it's by adoption. (laughs) And so kind of a nice little group all in there. Because of immigration and the traveling path that my ancestors took, it's technically more complicated than that. But those are the groups that my family has stories about and that I still see pieces of in our personal culture. Growing up, I was always like spent a lot more time with my mom's side of the family. My dad's side of the family is um, very broken up, like geographically and otherwise. So I saw them less, mm-hmm. but my mom's family is very Russian. <laughs> very Russian. I got very you. Russian. They immigrated about five generations back. And I remember growing up, always hearing about family members who crossed the Atlantic, fleeing political persecution, made their way through the Canadian wilderness, eventually ended up in the Western States. And anytime a picture of great grandpa came out, like we were going to hear about that. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I still see a lot, like the importance of extended family and like loyalty Mm. within the family group and kind of this like you will always have your family no matter what so like Mm. stick with them (laughs) like my mom still says that all the time sour cream goes on everything and (laughs) (laughs) so as that was kind of like the side of the family that I knew most of growing up um my dad's side like I said I saw them less but they're the like German and Choctaw side of the family but I didn't know very much of that story until probably elementary school. I was asking my grandma who lives in Nevada about a picture of her mom. Mm. And she just started telling me about our like Choctaw side of the family and how like, oh, it's from Oklahoma. We traveled this way. And this one thing happened in a trail of tears and like stories. Wow. And stuff. wow. I was like really sideswiped, honestly. <laughs> like, yeah. so, like never heard about these things. And I sort of just held it (laughs) because the rest of my family was kind of like never talked about it and never like brought it up or focused on it. So it wasn't honestly until like after college, I would keep asking my grandma about these things and like 
hear from her when I got to talk to her, which wasn't that often. But there was a group of Native believers in university in college that kind of invited me to sit with them, so to speak. And I feel like that was the permission or like invitation Mm -hmm. that I really needed to be able Mm -hmm. to embrace or learn more about that side of my family because I'm so white passing. And so I feel like I always felt kind of like a guilt of like wanting to know, but like, can I know, am I allowed to know? Like, am I, am I welcome to know? (laughs) Like, I don't, Mm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. We've never been geographically close to the reservation or to Oklahoma. And so it took uh, another group of native believers inviting me to really feel like I could know more about it and own it more. Yeah. And the more that I have kind of stepped into that side of my family, I feel like I hear more stories from other Native people that feel like they're kind of like coming late (laughs) or like because of racism and social pressures and different family struggles that people go through, feeling like they weren't ever fully taught like the culture or the history or like welcomed into it, which is not everyone's story, but I hear more and more people that say that. And I feel that way too. My grandma has like personal family stories of the Choctaw side of the family, but she doesn't remember or was never really even taught like any of the people's stories, <laughs> like the, the cultural stories. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, I have a Diné friend um, that was part of that native group of believers that heard me say that I didn't know the stories. And he like went out without telling me, he went out of his way to like go and find collections of the Choctaw stories and oh, history wow. for me. And the first time I heard about it was when he like showed up to like give it to me and be like, you should have this. Like you need to have oh. these things that are important. And I just felt like so, <laughs> so loved and so seen by him. I was also like really thankful to be able to learn about um, there's this practice in a lot of like Native American cultures of considering your family in se- seven generations, backwards and forwards, meaning that my family that I have never met, my Choctaw family, was thinking about me when they made decisions and like those things in their lives. And it also tells me that I need to do the same. Like I need to remember them and I need to honor them. And as I make decisions and I, as I also think about the people who will come after me. And so I think that's what motivates me now to continue like pressing into that side of my story, even though it um, isn't as easily seen in my family, but I want to honor them. And I, I don't want them to be forgotten by me or by us. And so that's a little bit of like where I've come from and how I think about these things and who I am ethnically. Yeah, I'm so struck by the idea of welcome and thinking back and forward. I love the idea of, of also how this Diné believer really welcomed you into the larger Native story, welcomed you into the land that nobody owns, but was first peopled and inhabited by your ancestors and his ancestors. And what a word for the church on how to be in the world, but not of it. Mm. To occupy that liminal space of stewardship and care and and to reach out to others and welcome them to the table. So thank you for welcoming us to your table, to your land and drawing us in. And I know what I see for your heart for the believers that you're discipling that you are thinking in broad terms of whether or not you have children someday, whether or not you have that extended biological or even adoptive lineage, you have in mind the generations that will come after us. And that is, that is a huge part of why I'm so honored to have you on this podcast is 
listeners out there, you are part of this heritage. You are part of this lineage of Lowe's story and of all of our stories as we are drawing closer to Jesus and making disciples and being discipled. So thank you for sharing that. It, it brings up a lot of a question of, of grief and of joy. I want to offer space to you to lament some of that larger story of your people, the Cherokee people, the lament of not having that chance to be raised more in that culture, the joy of being raised in Russian culture and in other cultures that are a part of you. As much as you're comfortable, would you share some more of that, that mixed multi-ethnic dynamic of lament and joy of what it's like to serve in the church when you are in this liminal space? Yeah, there's the like larger, more abstract grief of I am like these different peoples that have come together and then some of them were forgotten. <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. so sad. <laughs> like it's it's like painful to think about all the reasons that has happened. And and I feel, I guess, like blessed in the invitation to like not let that continue. <laughs> like yeah. I can't fix it for everyone or everywhere, but like in my own life to like not let that be. And to fully remember like all of the people that have come in my family to give me the life that I have, mm-hmm. um, the different cultures. And I think like between like when I first learned from my grandma and then like even still today, but when I was like more invited into acknowledging all of my ethnicities and all of my family by these friends, I think I, I struggle a lot with what it means to be like both oppressor and oppressed in one body it's like my people did this to my people you know it's yeah, like, yeah. I think it creates like these like anxieties in me or like questions of like when can I speak and when when shouldn't I because of that dynamic like when should I not share perspectives or use my voice quote unquote in like conversations about ethnicity and I don't know if it's actually that complicated but it feels like it is to me. <laughs> You're not alone. You're not alone in that. Yeah. And at the same time, though, I feel like part of the joy of it is when I, when I feel freedom from those questions. And like, I feel like I have had a unique opportunity, I guess, because of where I sit in my church to be able to speak into and advocate for like better inclusion of minorities. That whole like idea of being a bridge person is very real. Mm, mm -hmm. I feel that a lot. (laughs) And I don't even always feel like I have to like tell someone all of my story or like that they have to know that I'm mixed, but there's something about the experience that Jesus has given me of sitting at different tables and then being one person that I feel like gives me a, a drive and like an encouragement and an empathy to like step up and to like, to not to not let the white people have, have the whole space, <laughs> the whole conversation. I guess to put it bluntly. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, well, and to not have the entire space of your body, but to have some space, right? Yeah, yeah. To yeah. occupy it in an honoring way. Yeah, and I know that like God has intention in this experience, mm-hmm. and even that in itself can be a joy to me to remember that like. This, how he made me as a mixed person helps me to see more of the kingdom and to be able to like learn from different believers in a way that I maybe couldn't or would not have if I was not who I am. I'm thankful for that. I think sometimes like a point of grief, I've been in like lots of different spaces where it's like a conversation or like 
workshop time or different things like that, where I just feel not seen or like mm-hmm. overlooked. Mm-hmm. I remember being on a panel once, we were talking about a totally different thing, not even relevant. And there were two white folks and an Asian American woman and myself. And one of the people in the audience was asking a question and they directed it to the Asian American woman starting like, as the only person of color on this panel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was just like, I was like, Ooh, <laughs> I have feelings about that. But also because of stuff I just said, I was like, I feel like I can't be like, excuse me. Well, actually I, because I mean, I am white passing. I don't have the same experiences as someone who is like visibly not white in this country. And so I was like wrestling with myself as they were asking the question. But then I had a brother who was one of the white men sitting next to me who the next time he went to answer a question, he was like, by the way, I just want to pause. Lo is native too. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) Like, I just, it was a moment of grief. And then instantly after that, I was like, Jesus, you saw me. And like, people do see me. I am not invisible. I am not like overlooked. And navigating those dynamics like it's different it's complicated I know it will always happen but also like I'm thankful for the people who do see and who do want to welcome me as all of who I am yeah those are some things that come to mind when I think about joy and grief yeah thank you for sharing and sharing so vulnerably I'm just amazed by what a good brother I know. Uh, in every <laughs> in every sense of the word right like what a gift and how we can do that for each other as mixed folks, especially those of us who have light skin privilege, how monoethnic minorities can do that for us in a way that I feel that, that Jamar has done by endorsing and writing the forward for Mixed Blessing book, using some of his hard-won capital and hard-won joy to, to speak and say, I see you mixed folks, and how monoethnic majority culture folks can can step into other spaces, right? I think that's, to me, you can tell when someone is centering someone else's story, the story of a minority, whether that's in terms of ability and disability, ethnicity, sexuality, income level, whatever it is, and is then relating as best they can to Mm -hmm. them, as opposed to the folks who center themselves and say, oh, well, your story is a little like mine. Right. And what a difference that makes for majority culture, mono ethnic folks to say, I can empathize just a little with this person's lived experience because I do have some intersectionality. So, what a gift! What a gift. And you're a gift. I can't say that enough. It's so sweet to see your face and to hear your voice. So, we'll take a quick break. I'm going to wipe my eyes. I'm going to give a big old sneezy. Uh, I'm going to give a big old honk of just appreciation. Okay, that sounds ridiculous. I'm going to wipe my eyes and blow my nose, which is a big honking noise. So we'll do that during the break because I'm so moved by Lo's story and Lo's willingness to, to step in this space with us and to lament and to rejoice. So we'll take a quick break. I'm going to give Lo a virtual hug through the screen and we'll be right back. Today's episode is sponsored by InterVarsity's Flourishing Community Small Group Study Series. Many of us have felt hurt and excluded by communities, but that pain hasn't caused us to give up hope that a community marked by radical inclusion could be possible. InterVarsity has developed seven studies looking at embodied faith, selfless love, radical inclusion, mutuality, reconciliation, costly compassion, and justice. Dig deep into scripture and find that a flourishing community is possible now. 
thanks to our mixed savior who welcomes each of us to his table. Find out more by checking out IV.FlourishingCommunities on Instagram. That's I-V for InterVarsity dot Flourishing Communities, all one word. We're back and I'm so delighted to learn more of Lowe's story because although the two of us have served together for a while and I consider Lowe a dear sibling and coworker and friend, it's really fun for all of us to learn more about each other's stories and to dig into those things that we may not even remember that all of a sudden in a conversation, in sharing our story, in hearing other stories, we remember and are either blessed by that memory and can rejoice in it, or it's something to dig up and examine and weep over and talk with our therapist about and yield to the (laughs) Lord. So what a great conversation. I'd love to know, which as you said earlier, actually what you are sharing with us is the less complicated version of your story, right? (laughs) So you're already distilling a lot for us and you're already making it to where we can hear you in this time frame. But if you could, if you um, would be willing to distill it even further, what's one thing that when people see you is honoring to you and helps you to navigate your story and to tell it well and to listen to others? One thing that has really helped me and that like I continue to think about both for my own health and development, but also like I feel like it is helpful for others when they see me also. Mm -hmm. I remember because I was like learning from Native brothers and sisters about that part of my family. I remember one of them saying like, well, of course, I mean, you're white and you're Native, but like you're all of both, right? He was saying, when, when you're talking about your grandma, you don't say like, oh, like my left arm is my grandma. Like, this, <laughs> like uh, only this part. And then the rest of me, you know, like my head and all of this is like my grandpa and stuff. And he was talking about the tendency to be like, well, how much of you is mm. this? Or are, mm-hmm. are you this? All of me is my grandma's grandchild. <laughs> mm. and all of me is, is my mom's child. And like, yes, um, yes. I am all of my family. <laughs> and it, it's not just a part of me. And so I've continued to think about that when the question of like, well, how much or from where? <laughs> or like, how much of you is allowed to be this thing or that thing, uh, specifically in my ethnicity or my mixedness? That was like really a gift to me to think about how I don't I don't split up my body into different parts of my different relatives. Like they are all with me and I am part of all of them. And that's been helpful for me. I think about my own ethnicity. I know that probably is like more relevant for him as considering like what the our government, the United States government has done with like blood quantum specifically right, related right. to Native people. But it was really relevant to me too as a mixed person. And so I feel really grateful for that. I love that perspective and how it flips it on its head that all of you relates to your family members. Yes. I just love (laughs) how you said that, that all of you is the child of the granddaughter, is the child of, is the grandchild of these beautiful people that are part of your legacy. I think that's so, that's such a powerful way of looking at that blended singular posture, right? So in the book, I talk about these four postures that were developed by our friend and coworker, Jen Hollingsworth, who's also Mm -hmm. mixed. And one of the points that 
she makes so well. And then I think both she and I have really been pushing into and in some ways repenting of our idolization of that blended identity is there are healthy ways to inhabit and there are unhealthy ways to inhabit, whether you're in that solidarity posture where you're leaning into part of your story at once, uh, whether you're pushing into uh, the code switching that might come out, whether you're looking at your identity in other ways, whether you're seeking to be all of who you are. I love how putting it in the context of our family orients us in a healthy way to being embodied and being whole. So thank you for that mental image. I'm going to be pondering and rejoicing over that all day, specifically in my life of I am all of my birth father's child. I am all of my mother's daughter and boy, am I right. It's definitely, <laughs> I love you, mom. I've turned into you and, and my white mom, right. I'm all of her daughter, even as I am pushing into my Thai ethnicity, even as I am relying on the power and the strength of, I am all of my adopted dads, my black adopted dad's daughter as well. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thinking in terms of that substitute identity, the ways in which we can step into spaces that while informed by our ethnicity are different from or separate from who we identify as a person of ethnicity. Would you tell us some of your hobbies? You've already shared such beautiful memories of your family. Do you have other fun memories? What are you dreaming of? What are you creating? Tell us more about you and how you identify in other spaces. Yeah, I, uh, as, as I said earlier, falling into the millennial archetype, <laughs> not having a house and kids and instead hoarding houseplants. So love that. Actually, like, honestly, I was thinking about it and what I love about that and having, I think it currently 95 plants in my tiny apartment, which That's I, amazing. I understand some people it's too much. I get it. But I love that because I love seeing the variation in the beauty, like that is in nature and knowing that mm. God intended all of that. Wow. <laughs> yes. That all of these different plants exist out there without any human help. And they're so incredible. And it just reminds me of my place in God's story and how he's such an artist and how he creates so many like beautiful, complex things just out mm-hmm. of love. Like mm-hmm. there's so many plants I will never even know exist. And I'm sure they're amazing, but God knows. <laughs> and, and he did that. And so I really love being a, a house plant hoarder. I work with college students at University Christian Fellowship, and that's really fun. I play D&D on the weekends. Yes. <laughs> I'm a giant nerd. I need to uh, join you for one of those. One of these days I will be able so to. <laughs> that would be so dope. Yeah. I want to say I, I, I just want to thank you for putting effort and energy into this and all the other folks who also are doing that. I work with the college students and right now there's a few mixed folks in my group that just feel when they talk about their ethnicity, like so utterly outside of mm. any like group or belonging, like they don't belong anywhere. That really saddens me, mm-hmm. <laughs> but God has such beautiful purpose for us. And that feeling of not belonging is real, but the idea mm. is not true that they mm-hmm. don't belong anywhere. And so um, thank you for like advancing hope and vision for a different way to face that because I think it's really important. Absolutely. And thank you for sharing your story, both in the book and on the podcast. I feel like it is so perfect that you are a plant parent because (laughs) to me, like you said, the diversity, the biodiversity that we see, the reliance on God. Sure, you take care of your plants and you cultivate them, but 
they don't need you. They need God to sustain them, right? Christ sustains them as he sustains all of creation. And also, I just, you're such a gem. I think of you and I think of growth and I think of richness and not taking easy answers. So I'm so grateful to partner with you in this. And Lowe's students, if you're listening, you are much loved. You belong. If nowhere else, which I think you belong many places, even if you don't know it, but if nowhere else, you belong here at the multi-ethnic table. This space is for you. I know that Lowe has already fed you a million different times because that's what campus (laughs) ministers do. So continue to, even if virtually, come to the table. You are welcome here. How can people connect with you, whether it's social media or if they're interested in your work with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship? Maybe they are near your campus and, and would like to connect with your group or near any campus, on any campus, and would like to find out more. Yeah, if you happen to find yourself near the Central Valley of California, I work at Modesto Junior College and San Joaquin Delta College. So if you're in either of those places and you want to reach out to InterVarsity, I would love to see you, love to meet you on social media. If you want to find me personally, it's just at Low Plants Jungles on Instagram. I'd love to talk to you there as well. It's probably the easiest two ways to contact me. Perfect. And it is a breath of fresh air to have these gorgeous plants on your feed. So absolutely follow low on social media. I love, I think maybe I sent it to you or you sent it to me. I saw it somewhere. The meme, right? I think we all, if anyone who is down with memes, who understands memes, who is part of that culture, we all know the, which I don't know the origin of this. Maybe you do low of the dog in the burning house. Oh yeah. 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 This yeah, is funny. <laughs> yeah. This is fine. And he's like in utter denial and exhaustion and just like, eh the world's on fire. This is fine. Well, somebody created a meme that is him, this, this dog in a house surrounded by plants. Yes. (laughs) And the dog is smiling and saying, this is fine. And it's so true. This is fine. I feel it in my soul. (laughs) Right. Yes. I I think that's another thing that I love about you and your plants is it's so embodied, right? Mm. It's so rich and it's so earthy and it's so against this mentality that it's all going to burn and our (laughs) bodies don't matter and only the soul matters. No, no, no. And we mixed people know that in some ways more keenly than others because we're constantly looking at our bodies and wondering about our bodies and seeing our faces reflected in the mirror. I think that's a gift to the church that we can start and continue these conversations. So thank you for coming and having this conversation. What a blessing. I'm looking forward to talking again. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you. So glad to get to talk to you and to get to be part of this fun mixed family. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm so grateful for this powerful conversation with Lo. Thank you to InterVarsity Christian Fellowship's Creative Labs and especially our fantastic producer, Kyle Lee, and our sound engineer, Alex Waters. Friends and family, thank you for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share so that we can keep building this community. And join us in two weeks for our next guest, Jen Hollingsworth. We'll talk about Jen's amazing contribution to the Mixed Blessing book, the power of representation, and other amazing parts of Jen's story. We'll see you then here at the Multi-Ethnic Table. Multi-Ethnic Table.